This is Kate Beckinsale. You're listening to Beckinsale. You guys, I have a new idea for a horror movie. It's about three podcasters recording in a basement one dark and stormy night. Yeah. As they begin their episode, they hear a strange noise outside and pause the recording to investigate. Yeah. After finding nothing unusual, they go back into their studio to finish. They have a great time and record one of their most fun episodes ever. But then, after they're done, they realize they forgot to hit record again and none of their audio was saved. Why are there guns? Uh, that's thunder. Like, like thunder. That <laughs> sounded like guns. Thunder. You did gun hands. <laughs> yeah. pew, 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 pew. Welcome to Big Cell. I'm Joel. I'm Kent. And I'm Zach. I'd like to thank you for listening to our last show, our spooky haunt location show with Beaker. I think it was just really fun that we had somebody in the room who's like, I will go to all of these locations. And then I'm like, I will not. Yeah. <laughs> you but said yes to one nice hotel one. in Canada. Was, oh, didn't you say nice to the Stanley as well? Of course I said yes to a nice I hotel in Canada. I think we committed to go to the Stanley Hotel, right? We're having one of the many Bacon Seal sleepovers there. Yes. We should. Because it was just fun to talk about those places and to learn about them. For mm-hmm. me, I had a great time. Yeah. And Foxes Foxes on Twitter says, at Bacon Sale, great episode today, guys. Holy crap. Family, family friendly. That's can I say yeah, appropriate. That, yeah. that was actually spoopy. Yeah. <laughs> I looked up the definition for spoopy, by the way. Not Urban Dictionary, right? No, no. It's just regular definition, and it's cute. Like a dog in a ghost costume is oh, spoopy. He's spoopy. So none of these locations were spoopy. Look, look at him. He's a spoopy boy. <laughs> look at this. this <laughs> yeah. The spoopy green lady with the no eyes. But Bigley hey, Island is not spoopy. No, it's not. It's 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 scary. He also goes on to say that Alcatraz story about the glowing eyes. I don't know why, but that got me good. Chills nice. and goosebumps all over my body. Really fun episode. Cool. Thank you. Thanks for enjoying. Yes, we love it when people listen to the show, and we love it when people enter our contest. Yes. Yeah. That's right. We're barely even two minutes in, and we're already going to drop this. Here so we, we had a contest on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, yeah. uh, which where we posted a, a picture of the Great Room Escape and the different rooms there mm-hmm. and said, attention to this contest, like our page, like this post, and comment below of which room you'd want to go into. Exactly. And we had a, a, a bunch of different entries. We were very happy with the response. Thank you to everyone who responded. We Zach was uh, gracious enough to create a giant spreadsheet with everyone's entries, which multi- some of you entered multiple times, which was awesome. Totally cool. We love that when you enter on all three platforms. And we have picked a winner randomly. Drum roll sound effect. <laughs> Spooky drum roll sound effect. That's why. The winner is... Spencer Acuna. Hey, I know all, Spencer the Acuna? all the Spencers out there were like, me? Yeah, there are a few like Spencers out there. Yeah. Spencer Acuna. Spencer Acuna. Way to go. I believe I've met him before, if I remember right. All right. And so uh, I, I don't know him a lot personally, but I believe he's a big fan of the show. And so he mentioned he'd like to go to the Houdini room. Oh, and he's taking us three, right? <laughs> That was, well, that was, he can take yeah. other friends as well. Fine. Uh, like, yeah, so congratulations, Spencer. We'll be reaching out to you shortly after this episode airs so you can get those passes, the four passes of the Great Room Escape. And then we'd love to hear how it went, too. So let us know, once you get the passes, how it was at the Great Room Escape. And if you happen to be a Patreon member, we actually did a giveaway on there as well for some Halloween decoration yeah, money. Sure just did. for being a patron, you were entered to win $50 for Halloween decorations. So if you missed that, go back and listen to our most recent Pagan Bit, which we released a little bit last week. Yes, the the. <laughs> Bacon bit that's titled "You're getting COVID from a clown." Yeah, precisely. <laughs> <laughs> no big that's, deal. That's the worry. Us, it's the winner. fine. And these yeah. pagan bits really are a lot more loose, a lot more off the cuff, and we kind of just talk about whatever's going on in our lives. So, speaking of Patreon, we got a new patron. We do. 
Her name is Danelle Rowley. Hi, Danelle. Rowley. Rowley. I, I believe it's Rowley. I've actually Phew. never asked her before. Okay. Danelle. Uh, yeah, Danelle. She's a tier one patron. Yes, she is a tier one patron. That's awesome. She'll receive one free t-shirt and she'll also have access to uncut episodes of Bacon Cell and Behind the Bacon Post on Patreon and the Bacon Bits. All the Bacon Bits and, and video reviews that we do on Patreon as well. Perfect. So she has a lot of access to a lot of extra content now and we thank you for that, Danelle. We really do appreciate it. But that's not what we're talking about today. What are we talking about today, Zach? We are doing our horror pitch stories. What? Yeah. What? It's a pitch Another show. Hold, on. Show? Hold yeah. on. How did this happen? How did? How was I so lucky? Yeah, because if I'm remembering right, Kent, you don't have another pitch show. I do, actually. You do have I one. I do. I do. Uh, early last year, you promised me that I'd get Wait, a okay, pitch so show. Wait, you, you earned a pitch show for, for our episode 128 season of The Pitch. I believe you earned that one by watching Gilmore Girls, was it? Yes, and I also earned another one by going on the rocket. On the rocket, and I also earned another off. one by uh, texting some awkward things to two girls. Oh, that, that was, I was trying on a picket bit as well. Time. How can I get on this? I do mediocre things and get rewards. Mediocre? For it. Those were tough. The it's, rocket's scary. Especially when we got stuck on there for a bit. <laughs> yeah, but uh, but, no, but <laughs> in fact, I'm not even going to use my pitch how? idea here. Why please. is that possible? Want to know how? How? I would like to introduce my very best friend. <laughs> <laughs> Brian Madsen is to my right. Brian hey. Madsen. Brian? I decided to throw Kent a bone and do a pitch show. Yes, yeah, we, we asked Brian, as we normally do for our guests, we say, hey, what would you like to do your show on? He said, a pitch show. And it's like, you're the best. <laughs> I should make patrons have to earn it, too. Yes. Uh, no, actually, going back and listening to episode 128 and episode 178, uh, two other horror pitch episodes that we did, I do like these. I just stress out about them because I want to do it well. It's a lot of work, too. It is. Because we have to craft stories. Well, that's and the other thing. And sometimes they don't quite fly. When we first started doing these, Kent, it mm-hmm. was a pitch meeting because it was like, okay, here's my idea. This person does this, and then they do this, and then they do this, and yep. yeah, this yeah. happens. The end. And now it's turned to, we're just writing scary stories. That's it. It's just short stories. And yeah. I, 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 that's what I did, at least. And so, did you guys do the same? More yeah. or less. I yeah. wrote a full story. But yeah. Brian, I want to talk about you a little bit. Uh, why don't you take a moment to introduce yourself, since you are the one commandeering this pitch episode and relieving Kent of having to... Thank you so much, sir. ...use one of his. Uh, I am Brian Madsen. I'm from Duchesne, northeastern Utah. I've been listening for a f- couple years. I am a Bacon Cell member, thanks to my wife, Haley, who is also here. Yeah. Yeah. And that's about it. Nice. Okay. And so also, excited for this. Uh, you know, that's how you introduce yourself. But we have some questions we'd like yeah. to ask you. Yeah. Seeing as how this is your first time on the show, we're going to ask you a series of questions. I want you to answer these as quickly as possible. Even if you don't have a strong opinion about them, eh, give an answer, make one of us happy, and make one of us very, very angry. I would say very angry. No. Yeah. Uh, slash, Literally. Slash one tire, maybe. Slightly that's perturbed. It. Yeah. So let's go ahead and ask these. Are you ready, Brian? I am ready. Okay. Question one. Which is better, Karate Kid 1 or Karate Kid 2? Karate Kid 1. No. Okay. (laughs) Which is worse, Star Wars Episode 1 or Star Wars Episode 2? Episode 1. The pod race is so boring. (laughs) (sighs) Uh, Do you rate movies using stars or letter grades? Stars. Okay. Which is the more America movie, Rocky 4 or Independence Day? Independence Day. What's happening? Uh, no, question number five. Is Night Before Christmas a Halloween movie or a Christmas movie? Halloween. Yes. Okay. <laughs> Buffy or X-Files? X-Files. Oh, yeah. Okay. Lord of the Rings or Star Wars? Lord of the Rings. Yes. Okay. <laughs> Which is more Christmassy, Die Hard or Lethal Weapon? Die Hard. He knows. It's, people just don't he know. Knows. <laughs> Found of the Opera or Les Miserables? Les Mis. Okay. Yes. Labyrinth or Never Ending Story? <laughs> Do you have to remember? That was I forgot. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> Labyrinth or Never Ending Story? Never Ending Story. Okay. That's you, Kent. You can yep. say yes, yeah. Okay. yeah. And then finally, how to lose a guy in 10 days or 10 things I hate about you? How to lose a guy in 10 days. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> just like every time Kent just whispers, yes. 
And I forget all the time what I chose. What was my answer? Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Thank you, Brian. Thank you, Brian. We appreciate that. It's a ridiculous quiz, but it helps us get to know you a little bit better. Okay, so Brian, once again, thank you. I'm very passionate about this type of show. This allows us to kind of flex our creative muscles. Yeah, I'm a little bit flabby. It's been a while since we've done a show like this. Usually Joel and I will take the brunt of the work where yeah. it's like we'll do three pitches each. But thankfully, well, this Cam- time... Well, will take the brunt. I'll be over here being like, hey, hey, funny show. Hey, hey. And then Kent's like, I want a producer to listen to this. I've, I've written a treatment, a 42-page treatment I've of my I've never novel. joked around about that. I want someone in Hollywood to listen and adapt these. Listener, if you know anyone in Hollywood, just send these episodes to them, okay? Please, but pay me, please. Money's good. Let him steal it. And then Kent will forever be like, oh, they stole my idea. But thankfully, like we're going to minimize the work here. Maybe we'll see. But we are going to each give one pitch. So we're going to go around in the circle. And then we are going to do a, for the first time ever, a combined pitch. Yes. Yes, It's an old uh, writing exercise that uh, a lot of writing classes do. I would say a sleepover exercise as well. I'm going to start a story. And then you continue. And then you continue. You do that at sleepovers? Oh, yeah. You do that at improv games. Do you? Yeah, we mostly. You never watch, did this at sleepovers. We watch movies in toilet paper girls' kind of houses. Sleepovers? Have you been on creative workshops? <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, so we got a prompt online. We'll, we'll get to this when we get to it. But there's a prompt online, and then we each took turns writing paragraphs of this story. So it's we'll see where it goes. Honestly, I haven't read the end yet. The scariest part of the story was waiting on me to put my part in because that <laughs> took like two days. So sorry, guys. Yeah. But it was funny because we, we'd write a paragraph and then be like, okay, we'd type to the next person, your turn, and then send it off and we shared a Google Doc to all write yeah. together. My favorite was sending the Ariana Grande thank you next gif. So nice. that was fun. You sent her a gift? That is I nice. Did. Yeah, Pete Davidson. <laughs> so, so Zach, you're going to start. I will. And then you'll be Joel, myself, Brian, and then we'll do the full story. And I'll say this just for our sake. We're going to try our best not to ruin the spooky mood with sarcastic comments. Oh, please. Like, that's ever happened in a pitch show. I said try. We're going to try. Because I always get blamed. Yeah, my pitches are a little bit long, but when they get interrupted every four seconds, they get a little (laughs) bit longer. Yeah. Yeah. Wait, so are we saying no interruptions? No, no. We're not saying no interruptions. I'm saying we're going to try our best not to ruin the spooky mood, but it probably will happen. It will. All right. And I'll cue the spooky music as well. And we just for disclaimer's sake, uh, this is family friendly, but just depends on which family it is. Yeah. So if your family's a little bit older, like the Manson family, Manson family, family is the first thing I thought too. <laughs> Texas Chainsaw Massacre, uh, what's going on here? No, there are many families out there, Joel. Not Manson family friendly. Uh, this is Madsen family friendly. Oh, nice. No, this is more. Uh, we are going to be telling scary stories. There may be some spooky elements involved. So if you have young children who get scared easily, this may not be the show for them. Truth. But uh, if you have older kids, or if you're just listening to us as an adult yourself, you're probably going to be fine. So let's do this. So Zach, whenever you're ready. We do have a format sometimes. Yes, you can yes. mix it up if you want to give like the IMDb synopsis, maybe who directs or stars in it. It's up to you. Obviously, we okay. will go into it a little bit do more. We, I don't have a director. Ooh, That's fine. Maybe we it. can make one up yeah, as you think go. about it. Think about it. I do have some, some uh, random actors I thrown in, though. First of all, here's your synopsis. George Parker, played by Sam Rockwell, had been in law enforcement in a small Kent town. For, <laughs> yep. He's been in law enforcement in a small town for 17 years. He'd seen a share of it all, but he wasn't quite prepared for what the Wilson family had to offer. Okay, <clears throat> that's, that's your tagline. Or like that's, the that's, that's the thing. The that's the thing. synopsis. Yeah, yeah. Okay. All right. John Wilson and Carrie Wilson were a pretty typical American family. Uh, John is played by Ben Affleck. Oh, and I'm Carrie, again. Carrie is played by Jessica Alba. 
Are you trying I, to sell this to I me? I haven't seen her in a minute. I just yeah. miss, I miss her. I miss her too. Yeah. Uh, they we, have, oh yeah. By the way, we should say at, at the end of this, we will be saying whether we green, green light this. Are movie we still or not. doing that? I think that's kind of the fun thing about uh, it. Okay. <laughs> Jacob would just do it just to make you guys mad. Yes, yes he would. Yeah. Uh, they had a mortgage, a car, and a daughter named Maddie, played by Haley Steinfeld. All right. Just because that was a young person that I could think of. <laughs> yes. I think she's like twenty now, <laughs> but she still looks like she, I don't know. I still see her in True Grit in my mind. The Wilsons were known throughout the community as a family that was intelligent and deeply committed to each other. John had a warehouse job just outside of town, and Maddie dreamed of becoming a doctor and one day curing cancer. In 1994, the Wilsons began to distance themselves from the community. At the same time, John became very particular about the actions of his family. He wouldn't allow Maddie, the valedictorian of her high school class, to deliver a speech at her graduation. He dismissed any ideas that Maddie had about traveling on a humanitarian mission or ever leaving home. After her graduation, the family became noticeably absent from society. Uh, three years after this reclusive pattern began, Carrie's siblings grew increasingly concerned about the two women in the home and requested a welfare check by the small town police. George Parker and his partner approached the house and saw a basic, quiet home. Shutters on the windows hid any view inside. A simple knock on the door produced the two women. They came to the door and told the officers they understood the concern, but their lifestyle was by their choice. Parker entered the home and confirmed there was food, running water, and electricity available. But there seemed to be an eerie feel, though nothing wrong. Four, cat, it's a cat smell, probably. It's probably, <laughs> it's probably cats. An yeah. eerie yeah. cat yeah. smell. Yeah. Oh, yeah. the worst. Oh, eerie cats. Four years passed without a peep from the house. Nothing bad, but nothing good. So we're talking seven years at this point. Years. Okay. The next welfare check came in 2001. Once again, Carrie and Maddie told Parker they were all right and could care for themselves. So we fast forward another three years. What? While John was at work, Parker and his team arrived at the Wilson home with a warrant to enter. By this time, Carrie and Maddie had been unseen for nearly a decade. Carrie's brothers hoped that the two would agree to speak with a psychologist who could just evaluate their mental states. They knocked with no answer. They knocked again and shouted in for a reply. They warned anyone inside that they would be breaking in if there was no response. As Parker and his team entered the home, they were struck by the chaotic clutter found inside. Boxes and bowls lined the floors and walls. Black plastic covered the windows, trapping the outside world. Even the hundreds of air fresheners in the house couldn't oh, mask no. the strong chemical smell. What's which? What, what type of air fresheners? That's important. Um, those pine ones. Um, the, you know the, the glade that just go... Not for breeze, though, right? I'm no. just picturing seven with all those air fresheners hanging down, and all yeah. of a sudden I have a bad image of what's about to happen. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Be warned, kids. <laughs> The team searched throughout the house for any sign of the two women. Then they opened a bedroom door and were hit by an overwhelming odor. Mm. Cats. It was cats. But like the, the Jellico movie. cats. Jellico <laughs> cats. Jellico <laughs> cats. Okay, please tell the story now. Beneath the blankets of a bed, Carrie and Maddie's bodies were found lying oh. together, side by side, extremely decomposed. No. One body was almost to the skeleton stage. The other body appeared to be not far behind. It looked like a mummy. It was truly a shocking scene. Parker had considered that the two women were victims of murder, and John was the prime suspect. When John arrived at his home, he told the officers waiting he would not speak to them without an attorney. The victims' bodies were brought to the medical examiner for autopsies. Every item and every scrap of paper from the home was removed for analysis. Parker tried to ascertain John's role in the gruesome deaths. He didn't have any concern as to what even happened to Maddie or Carrie. Instead, he was most concerned about what the authorities were doing with his property. Parker poured over the daily food logs and diaries kept by Carrie and Maddie in hopes that they'd have some clue as to their deaths. The journal entries by the mom and daughter documented 10 years of progressively deeper seclusion. In Carrie's journals, she referred to her husband moving through the house like a vapor. She called him 
a murderer. Investigators determined that Maddie died first, around 2001. Her cause of death was determined to be dehydration and possible starvation. Carrie, who had died a year or so later, was found starved to death, but there were no signs of any foul play. No beating, no stabbing, no shooting, no poisoning. Parker did the math and it hit him. John had lived with his daughter's decaying body for three years, with his wife's corpse for a year. Painstaking analysis of the women's journal shed light on how the women had died. They'd both become severely mentally ill. Maddie believed she received a revelation in 1994 that she was supposed to marry a prophet. She and her mother stopped eating in order to cleanse themselves to fulfill the prophecy. Parker and his team learned that when they died, John simply placed them next to each other so they could stay together. That's messed up. John was charged with two counts of involuntary manslaughter, two counts of abandoning a vulnerable adult, and desertion and non-support of a spouse. He was sentenced to four to six years in prison with a six-month mental health writer program. After completing the program, he was released on five-year probation. John spent the next 11 years in the same home where Carrie and Maddie died. In mid-2016, at age 76, he died of cancer. Woo. So that okay, okay. that was uh, probably the most uplifting yeah. story you've told. What are we yeah, going to kick off the show, Zach? Yeah. yeah. So they're just they were just sick. Yeah. And yeah. they just decided yeah. they weren't going to eat. Yeah. Like and so he hit away as well. I'm not a big fan well. of fast Sunday, and yeah. they're going like years. Uh huh. Uh-huh. Wait. So they let their bodies starve. Yeah. For near for eight years yeah. or so. They, yeah. Because they were uh, fulfilling a prophecy. Yeah, he just went about and did his thing, mm-hmm. right? Except for yep. he was a hermit as well. Let him, I'm just yep. saying, if you've mm-hmm. you know starved yourself for a week and you still haven't met this prophet you're supposed to marry, yeah, it's maybe it's time to move happen. on. Maybe ready, join Tinder. Ready for this? <laughs> yeah, based on a true story. <laughs> I knew it. What? What? Yep. What? I was gonna say this is one of those things where I'm like, this yep. is because, way, this felt real life because uh-huh. I honestly would have changed the ending to he when he dies. He ends up in the same bed, starved, like sure, an emaciated, sure, right? Sure. But go on. It's a true story. Yeah. Yeah. So this, I, I changed some, you know, so, some narrative details a little bit. Yeah. And, and names, of course. But yeah. This, Were you the daughter, Zach? Yes, I was. I knew it. Yeah. Uh, this is a story uh, happened in Idaho. Like yeah. recently? Mm, well, uh, the years are accurate. Ew. Mm-hmm. Dang. Yeah. Yuck. Like as soon so, as you said air fresheners, I thought about... Yeah, and so this guy seven. just, he, I mean, five years probation, but that's, yeah, that's it. That's it. So he's Cause he, cause, out on well, the street. What did he do, though? Because think about it. Well, what it's true. He, uh, just, he just wait, let him starve. So this more seems like a like a miniseries sort of thing where yeah. it's not like a, it's not a horror story. Yeah. It's a horrible story. Horrible. But it's more about like a small town cop investigating what is yeah. happening here. For me, the grizzly truth. Well, and for me, the movie, the movie hook would be someone moving into this house, yeah. being haunted by the ghost, and yeah. that would be the story that would be revealed at the end was this is what happened in the house. This is why these ghosts are there. Yeah. So, you know, maybe they're like swiping their, their bowls of cereal out in front of them as they eat and they can't eat. <laughs> yeah. Like they're mad that because they starve, so they're going to make the people in the house starve and the people can't yeah. eat if they're What in the puts house, the so. prophecy in their brains sort of thing. Ooh. Yeah. See, yeah. that'd be good. Yeah. But even, even the bleakness, it could definitely be yeah. a movie, but it would just be a true life. Life, sort of well it's one of those things where you consider what are the possibilities what are the possibilities and then you look at that and go oh that could just happen that's sad and no ghosts are needed almost no because you you want to you want to have some of those types of things to explain things like this but sometimes yeah. there's not and that to me is chilling can who would you get to direct this it seems like a slow burn yeah who, who like and uh, there definitely has to be some who, uh who? counterplay between the cops investigating too and like some humor, some levity in there. Who's been yeah. directing Fargo episodes? Get that sort of vibe. Uh, so do I. Because it's small town, small town mystery. But it needs situation. to go more dark than that, I think. But you want to add, a, you want to add a supernatural element. That would, because that's one of those stories that you 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 don't believe when you hear it. You're like, that's 
that's impossible. And I think that's what make it that would make it more fun for the reveal at the end of a movie where it's like, why is this haunting happening? Oh, here's the flashback. This is what happened and it was horrible. And yeah. then people would be like, their minds would be blown. Yeah. Blown, I tell you. Oh. I think the director of 10 Cloverfield Lane, yes. Dan Trachtenberg, would be pretty good. Yes. Okay. Yes. And then the granted, it's still like stuck in a home sort of thing, but so he, he gets uh, paranoia down pretty well. Yeah. So here's here's what I was trying to consider for the actual movie aspect of it is, do you center on, like, or, or, who's who's your protagonist, right? I was thinking... That's the, it, main, that's the main character. The main character. Yeah, the who are we following through the story? Do we follow the family or are we following, you know, the, the cops or the investigator's perspective? Because the mystery lies in not knowing what's going on in the home, mm-hmm. but the you can get a lot of creeps from seeing what's inside the home and have your hero. I feel like you'd have to throw a lot of red herrings out there yeah, in order exactly. to keep the story going. Yeah. Trout, maybe. I don't know. Um, <laughs> Some sort of fish because cats fish are involved. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There has to be cats in this movie or I'm out. Cats are in. Then I'm in. But not jellical cats. No. Jellical oh, cats. that would be terrible. That'd be too scary. For this uh, Zach. <laughs> Thank you for starting the show the right way. Thank you. That was, yeah. that was off. That was off. That was, that, was, <laughs> that was something where I kind of went, I know where this is going and it's horrifying. And then to find out it's real, oh. that makes it sad. Yeah. Like well, there's a fine line actually between sad and scary. I've found out where you, you don't want to depress people, but you also kind of want to horrify them. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I don't know. That'd be a fine line to draw with this, especially if it's based on a true story. Mm-hmm. You don't want to, you don't want to minimize it, yeah. but you also want to, it's a horrific story. This is sort of a half shout out to the, the uh, you know, my true crime fans out there. Yeah. Necessary. So, there. Yeah. We've done our true crime show. Can't no, we no, we no. Now. We're doing a true crime show. <laughs> <laughs> uh, by the way, I'm going to green light everything just because I'm so happy that we're here doing a pitch show today. Well, I will green light it if we add the element of it. That's the flashback. Like the main uh, story is someone being haunted. I don't think it's necessary. I think so. I think the real life element is scary enough. But because then what's, what's I the think, point of the movie? Like the, when uh, you get just, to the end, it's like, oh, darn I think it, you have a died. supernatural red herring. I think that the true story, like you said, is without the supernatural element, I think would be good. It would be one of those one and done shows like you guys talk. You, you don't think it'd become but, a franchise? Oh, no. <laughs> the I, Starving Sisters one watch. part two. One watch. One watch. Oh, yeah. oh one yeah. and oh, done. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. One and done. Okay. I'm just going to jump into it and tell the story because I feel like anything I say beforehand may tip my hand. Okay. All right. Did you just tip your hand with that? Is it about hands? It's about tipping. (laughs) Dun, dun, dun. And the delivery driver didn't get a tip. True story. But the cow did. Yeah. Oh, Oh, what? All right. And once again, this is more like a short story than it is a pitch. And I apologize for that. Next time, I'm going to get back more into pitchness. So here we go. Brian and Megan had started dating in the summer, but as the cooler weather arrived and the leaves started to change color, something about Megan changed. She became different. How did I not know you were so basic? Brian laughed as Megan took an Instagram photo of her pumpkin spice latte with the passing autumn scenery in the background. I'm already terrified of this. (laughs) Her brown Uggs propped up on the dashboard of the car. (laughs) Shut up, Megan giggled, swiping her phone to find the perfect image filter or else I'll strangle you with my scarf. They were on their way to a party at a lodge near Pike's Peak. They were meeting up with a bunch of Megan's friends who Brian hadn't met yet, but he didn't mind. He had become quite bewitched with this girl. Honestly, he had no idea what she saw in him. I didn't say I had a problem with basic, he replied. I think you look great in sweaters. As they drove along the windy roads cutting through the thick forest, the in-dash navigation system finally told them to take a left onto a gravel path. The small rocks crunching under the tires was the only noise breaking the comfortable silence. Eventually, they came upon a clearing. In the middle of it stood an old, solitary gray stone house. The burnt orange front door hung halfway open on its hinges. 
The house was surrounded by a wide ring of tall trees, each one with bright red leaves. Oh, that's a great photo op. Yeah. Well, we'll get there. Okay. <laughs> An eerie silence hung in the air. This can't be it, Brian said. Or we're early, Megan suggested. Look at that place, Megan. It's completely run down. I doubt anyone's lived there for years, Brian said. It's so beautiful, she replied. Brian checked the address again while Megan got out to take a quick picture to share with her friends and then hopped back in the car. Yeah, we're supposed to be on 7518 Aspen Ridge. I swear that's what I put in, Brian said. He plugged the numbers again to the GPS and drove back down to the main road. They wound around the woods again as the sun began to set. Streaks of amber fire clouds stretched across the sky. Brian and Megan passed a car or two, but for the most part, they were on their own. In 500 feet, turn right, the voice on the GPS said. Brian turned onto a dirt road and slowly drove the path, being careful to avoid potholes and puddles. However, as they reached the clearing, Brian's comfort turned to confusion. An old gray stone house stood in front of them, surrounded by a wide ring of blood-red trees. This time they were looking at the back of the house, where two large windows stared at them like empty eyes. How is that possible? We've been driving for ten minutes, Brian asked. Are you sure that's the right address, Megan said. That's the address I have, but this isn't even the right area, he said. Look, I'll show you. He pulled out his phone, but he couldn't get a signal. Well, what are we going to do, Megan asked. The GPS must be outdated, he said. I'm pretty sure I saw a gas station back there. We'll just do it the old-fashioned way and ask for directions. They drove back down the dirt path as darkness finally overtook the remaining signs of daylight. Brian turned on his headlights when they reached the main road and turned south. Suddenly, the GPS piped up again. When possible, make a U-turn. I thought I stopped navigating, Brian said. Hmm. He hit cancel route, but the button didn't respond. Ugh, what is wrong with this thing? He kept driving. Yeah. Do you like how none of us are interrupting? We're so into <laughs> we're like, go, go on, Joel. Go, it, it, go on. It, it was an Android. Oh, oh, oh. It's, mm. it's in Dash. Mm. He's not using his phone. Oh, that's right. Yeah, he's that's not getting right. a good oh, signal. Details. Yeah. It's powered by Android. Uh, Zach, <laughs> stop. Uh, Zach, please stop. Joel, go on. Go. <laughs> in 300 feet, turn left on Sunset Drive, said the GPS. Turn left on Sunset Drive. Brian looked and the navigation system was just trying to get them to take a side road so they could turn around. Hmm. Just ignore it, he said. In 400 feet, turn left on Oak Ridge Lane, the GPS chimed. Turn left. Brian annoyedly pressed the gas pedal a little harder. They sped on in silence. Why didn't you turn left? Oh. Oh. Brian and Megan stared at the dashboard. Did, did you hear that? Brian said. Megan's mouth hung open. They kept driving. In 500 feet, turn left on Sunset Circle, or else. Oh. Brian, what is going on? Megan said nervously. I, I don't know, he stammered. He sped even faster, checking around each bend of the road for the gas station. I told you to turn left, oh. the voice snarled. You're not listening to me. Then... A horrible, angry scream erupted from all the speakers in the car. Megan covered her ears and cowered while Brian tried to turn the volume down. The car began to shake violently and Brian quickly pulled over to the side of the road and shot off the engine. The screaming stopped. Brian and Megan both raced out of the car and into each other's arms. This can't be happening, Megan said. We can't be stuck in the woods in the dark with a haunted car. What is happening, Brian? I don't, I don't know what that was, Brian said, but I'm not getting back in that thing. Well, what should we do? The gas station can't be that far. You want us to walk? 
Do you want to get back in the car? Megan shook her head. Then she noticed a soft, warm glow behind the trees across the street. Maybe we can try over there, she said. It's not too far and it looks like someone's home. They crossed the street hand in hand and walked into the forest. The lights were further away than they appeared. And when they finally reached them, Brian was horrified to see that the light was coming from a fire in a clearing next to a gray house surrounded by a ring of trees. Hmm. But this time, it wasn't abandoned. This time, there were others there. Hmm. This would make for the craziest Instagram stories. (laughs) (laughs) Right? (laughs) They saw a group of women sitting around a boiling cauldron on a fire. They seemed to be chanting something while staring at the flames. Brian's breath caught in his throat. They didn't seem to notice them on the edge of the woods. He hoped that they wouldn't crack. That scared me. (laughs) (laughs) Brian's head snapped forward as a great force hit it from behind. He fell face first in the weeds. His ears rang, but he heard some scuffling and voices. He couldn't make out any words. He tried to see if Megan was okay, but he couldn't get his eyes to focus. He felt sick to his stomach. Someone grabbed him by the arms and dragged him across the grassy clearing. He could feel the warmth of the fire as he grew closer, and he thought he smelled something familiar. He tried to focus his mind, but his thoughts kept slipping out of his head. He blacked out. When he finally came to, his head felt like it was going to explode and his whole body was buzzing. Then his senses were piqued by that familiar scent again. He tried to focus on what it was. It smelled like cinnamon Mm. and nutmeg Mm. and ginger Mm. and cloves. It smelled like pumpkin spice. (laughs) He forced open his eyes and saw in horror that the women were surrounding him. They didn't look like witches. They looked like regular women, but they were all dressed identical. They were all wearing sweaters. They were all wearing scarves. They were all wearing boots. A lot of them also wear the uh, blue Han Solo vests. Yes, yes. Yeah. The sweater vests, yeah, yeah, with no arms. Yeah. Brian's wrists were tied tight, as were his legs, and he was hanging above the bubbling cauldron in a wicker basket, the steam burning his face and eyes. Then he spied a familiar face standing among the other women, Megan. She smiled at him, but something about her had changed. She seemed different. And finally, he was able to make out the words she and the others were chanting over and over again. Pumpkin Pumpkin spice is life. life. Another Another sacrifice sacrifice we we give, so this season season may be long and fruitful. fruitful. Pumpkin Pumpkin spice is life. Another Another sacrifice we give, so this season may be long and fruitful. Pumpkin spice is life. Another sacrifice we give, so this season may be long and fruitful. Brian tried to struggle against his restraints, but he was too weak, and the knots were too tight. His vision started to blur, and his ears started buzzing again. The women stretched their scarves between their upturned hands and held them to the autumn evening sky. They began to lower him into the dark cauldron of sweet-smelling liquid. <laughs> Pumpkin spice is life. Another sacrifice we give, so this season may be long and fruitful. The end. Oh, not the bees. Not the bees. Basic witches. Am yeah. I right? <laughs> <laughs> so uh, this well, is called Autumn Harvest. Yeah. Okay. Is the title is the I like, title of the movie. I like basic witches. <laughs> and uh, it's going to be directed by John Krasinski. Okay. Uh, perfect. Okay. Little, yeah, he's cool, got cool. the personal element. Yeah. And it's going to be starring Tom Holland as Brian. Okay. And Thomasin McKenzie as uh, oh, Megan. Nice. Yeah. So I figure, you know, you think Tom Holland's going to get out of it because he's the hero of all the other right. things, but in this movie... Well, is he no. the hero or is he the Instagram husband who just <laughs> falls into the wrong hands? Boyfriend, they are married. Yeah, okay. That, that'd be Same weird. It's still a role. Yeah. yeah. Wait, so they're just like a, a new coven, right? The, there aren't like identical women. They're just wearing identical 
clothing. That's yeah, it's like a bunch the, of basic women. That's their who, costume who worship almost. pumpkin spice. And you guys didn't know this, but that's why pumpkin spices get into more and more things because of the spell. They have to do a it's, sacrifice every season. It's getting stronger. Yeah. 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 That's why pumpkin spice is becoming more and more prevalent because these witches are out there. And so you're by saying Pike's that. Peak, <laughs> so everything at Trader Joe's is demonic. Yes. Now. Pumpkin spice is demonic. <laughs> because I Krispy Kreme so is like, yeah, we're going to bring a little bit of Satanism over here. Uh, the funny thing was, this was actually a, a, com- a family pitch. Like we were driving in the car mm-hmm. and me and my wife were talking about it. Like I was trying to, I'm like, I got to come up with a pitch. It's got to be something scary. But also, you know, I, I usually tend to do these silly little stupid things like Perfect the Monopoly balance. one last yeah. time and, yeah. and all that. And so then this, this one, my kids were, my two older were listening behind me and they said, so I said something about a pumpkin spice cult yeah and uh then they started talking about well what if the gps started yelling at you or something like that and i was like okay mm. yeah so we mm. kind of just all started so everything about that's together. everything supernatural happens because of the megan. sacrifices and what megan is doing Me- megan has essentially megan has powers and she can do things and she's i mean if you notice it's her friends and if you notice she's the one that suggests to do things the mm-hmm. whole time and so she's never completely innocent, and she just needs him as the human sacrifice for this season, for this pumpkin spice season. I clove you. Ooh. No, that's not good. I clove you? Yeah, clove. Uh, also, a random stupid fact, but what I'm kind of proud of, uh, 7518, the address, yeah. is actually the hex code color for the for pumpkin. Oh, well done. Yeah. Oh, that's clever. A little Easter egg in there for you. It's a pumpkin egg. But pumpkin I, spice it, Easter I just thought, how creepy would it be, though, if your GPS started talking to you? And yes, this yeah. depends on people having an in-dash GPS rather than a phone. I, I was a little yeah, worried well. that, you know, there was a creepy house, but it was going to be a mechanical thing, like some sort of technology spirit. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. And so I was like, oh, okay, that could go there. But then it became witches all of a sudden. Yeah. Pumpkin I was excited. Witches. Y- yeah. Precisely. Basically witches. <laughs> they all look the same. Yeah. Uh, Brian, how do you feel about that? Oh, there was definitely an M. Night Shyamalan twist there at the end. He I was, was expecting technological, but. Yeah. He was going to be the director, but then I thought people expect a twist. You didn't I do. It was after Old, Shyamalan. and then you fired him from the project. Yeah, he got fired after I watched Old, and I'm like, why? Why would you just have four endings? I want one ending, Shyamalan. <laughs> Are they trying to spread their coven? I, uh, I actually want to know more fan fiction about these this, witches. This coven, I mean, this is just one group, but yeah. there are covens all around the U.S. That's why pumpkin spice is everywhere. It's, okay, it's is it only this season, or do we yes. do we jump into like apple cinnamon in the uh, in the winter? Oh, maybe. opposing witches. Yes, <laughs> I, I'll, I'll be games. part of the apple cinnamon gang. <laughs> <laughs> That's a Disney they're movie. Not, they're, but if you notice, apple, <laughs> there's no apple cinnamon season. Like, there is for me. But not for the general world. But have you noticed how it's become like pumpkin spice season and all those basic girls come out with their We haven't had as many sacrifices, Joel. We're working <laughs> on it. I would join the coven for vanilla bean. Vanilla, vanilla bean. Oh, that scent is so good. Those, oh, yeah. those meetings are so boring, though. Yeah, like, <laughs> oh. There's vanilla. Then there's the lavender ladies. And oh, it could be a whole thing. Yeah. A whole series of these. Yeah. An entire anthology. The and spice witches. The basic witches. Yeah. <laughs> the basic the spice witches. witches. <laughs> <laughs> oh, posh. Uh, once again, what was their chant? Pumpkin spices <laughs> life, our sacrifice we give, so this season may be long and fruitful. Like you really got into that. That may have yeah. been. You may have some. That was something. from. I think that was from memory because I, I was just actually trying to get back to the page. Yeah, yeah, that's right. <laughs> uh, greenlit. Okay, and thank you, Ken, for adding Hardcore. in the effects after of the. the oh, chanting. sure, I'm so sure it's going to sound great. Yeah. Hardcore. <laughs> that's great. <laughs> All right. Uh, yeah, Autumn well done. Harvest. That's yeah, very good. That is something yeah. that I, I'm not sure if it's like immediately funny, and then it would become a cult favorite, I believe. Yeah. Based on the concept. Well, I think there would be a lot of uh, pumpkin spice latte drinking during the watching of this. This would be every guy's favorite horror movie to make fun of their girlfriends, I believe. (laughs) Because it's like, no, babe, 
No, babe. No yeah. pumpkin spice no for pumpkin you. Spice. I know what you're going to do. Yeah. Because it's, it's I've bewitching. seen where this goes. It's bewitching, I tell you. You, you did the pumpkin spice. They caught Spider-Man. I'm not even getting involved. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Kent. I believe you are up for your pitch, and right. so I will get comfortable. Yeah, let's get some popcorn. Are you guys just going to sit back and we're just... Yep. Uh, enjoy it? Yep. Well, no, I mean, we're going to make comments, but oh. I just know it's going to be we're long. We're going to make fun of you, yeah. It's going to be long. Yeah, okay. Okay, so my basic synopsis is <laughs> basic. this. Basic. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, basic's been ruined now by pumpkin spice. Every house makes noises. These can easily be ignored or explained away. It's probably just the plumbing or the creaky foundation, right? It's best to ignore them, because if they realize you're listening, you won't be able to ever turn them off. This fateful tale is about Ashley, a single mom who has dealt with enough negative energy in her life and doesn't want to welcome that into her new apartment and newfound freedom. Though, fear always finds a way in. This Ooh, movie... That's a good tagline. This movie is called Gateway. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's directed by Mike Flanagan, mm-hmm. who is like the new It guy. What has Mike Flanagan done? Uh, recently did Midnight Mass, Doctor Sleep, okay. Haunting oh, of Hill House, yeah. uh, oh, yeah. a ton that's of Stephen right. King projects. He's the new It director. He is definitely um, someone that knows how to nail mood, environment especially, and just create horror, even if nothing is immediately jumping out and scaring you. Yeah. Ashley is our protagonist here, and she's played by Jodie Comer, who is mm-hmm. in Killing Eve and Free Guy, if yeah. you've seen that. Oh, is she the main girl in Free Guy? Yes. Okay. The ages I'm going for are around 30 for each of my characters. And there's also a guy named Josh. He is played by Evan Peters. And then, gee, there's a best friend Evan character. Evan Peters being uh, Quicksilver. Quicksilver. Yeah. Ashley's best friend is played by Natalie Emanuel, who played uh, Miss Andy from Game of Thrones. And her ex-husband is played by Wyatt Russell, Kurt Russell's son. Okay. Okay. So that's our, that's our principal cast. All right. And there's also a kid actor in there somewhere, but we'll get there. Probably uh, Finn <clears throat> Wolfhard. Probably Haley Steinfeld, yeah. for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's Just 24. Me. I looked it up. She's, she's 24. 24? Yeah. No, we're going for a young, young son on this one. Okay, so once again, I wrote mine in story. And there's a lot of kind of jumping and montage scenes here because I'm just trying to create more so like how Ashley is haunted. Okay. Okay. Our film opens up as Ashley is on what is clearly a first date. We get to witness the awkward exchange of early conversation as her date Josh, played by Evan Peters, describes how he's a better person since being away from his ex. He's clearly been rambling as he stops himself to say, I'm sorry, I've been talking so much. I'm such an open book that words fall out. He goes on to ask Ashley a lightning round of questions about her previous marriage like, Which is better, Star Wars Episode 1 or Star Wars Episode 2? <laughs> That's how I date. <laughs> how long has she been divorced? Does she like being divorced? How often does she have her kid? What happened in the marriage? Ashley is very hesitant to answer these questions as she's just recently divorced. And Kat, not, are you Ashley? No, I'm Josh. Okay, okay, okay. <laughs> you couldn't tell? Yeah. <laughs> as, and you'll find out why. Okay. So Ashley is very hesitant to answer these questions as she's just recently divorced and not quite ready to indulge about her marriage on a first date to a stranger. Josh can tell that he's holding back and he changes the subject to something he likes. This is where I come in, basically. Okay. <laughs> Okay, so it's almost October and it's spooky season. I gotta know. How much do you like scary movies? I don't watch them, she replies. Josh is shocked. He thought things were going so well. (laughs) (laughs) Clearly. This is such insight, Uh, ladies. (laughs) And she seems so unshakable in her response. Why not? He asks. Well, I used to watch them when I was young, but I haven't watched one for years and I don't plan to. Especially when I have my son at home. I I don't want to watch one and be freaked out and then not sleep that night. I don't want to invite that kind of evil into my home. Josh is shocked, but still goes on a diatribe about horror movies or really just like Hallmark movies with a familiar formula. And then he keeps ranting and and the scene fades away. (laughs) (laughs) Though with enough persistence, she gives in and Josh is able to talk her into going to see a scary movie at a theater. 
You don't have your kid tonight. At least you're you're not watching a scary movie at home, right? Plus, I'll be there to hold you if you jump at all. Mm-hmm. Once again, still me. <laughs> they watch the movie, and she uses popcorn napkins to cover her eyes through much of it. That night after the movie, Ashley has a nightmare. She's in the movie that is still fresh in her mind. In her dream, she is drawn to the window and pulls aside the blinds to see the cinematic masked killer in the street looking up at her. She falls back and is jolted out of the dream. It's the middle of the night. She doesn't dare look at her actual window, but she quickly darts her eyes around the darkness of her room just to be sure there's no one there. The next day, she texts Josh to thank him for having her watch that scary movie and tells him about her nightmare. He tries to flirt with his information and he tells her that she's toughening up. She is not impressed. She hears what sounds like the upstairs sink turn on and off, but doesn't pay much attention to the noise. The next night, she has another dream. She is once again in the bedroom shown in the movie the night before, but there is no one in the street. Though she can hear someone walking around loudly downstairs in the kitchen. She can hear doors open and shut quickly, heavy furniture being moved. It sounds like whoever it is is just looking for anyone that may be hiding. She tiptoes to her bedroom door and checks the lock in her dream. Just then, she can hear the footsteps ascend the stairs to her level. She wakes up. Things don't get easier. She's stressed at work, easily frustrated with her young son, arguing with her ex over text. She's exhausted that night and falls asleep immediately. No nightmare that night, but she wakes up to the sounds of screaming. She opens her eyes to the brightness of her TV. She thought she fell asleep on her bed a few hours ago, but she can't be sure because she was so tired. Her eyes are foggy, but she looks again at the TV. There's an old movie on. She's not sure what it is, but someone called a creepy kid Damien. No, she doesn't take the chant. What? Are you going to start chanting? No. Okay. Pumpkin spices life. <laughs> <laughs> That's the best chant. Of it. That's demonic. She doesn't take the time to consider why the movie was on, and she quickly turns it off and heads upstairs to bed. As she lays down, she can still hear the movie going. She could have sworn she turned it off. As Ashley is making dinner the next night, she hears her son throw a bucket of Legos on the ground in the living room. She patiently but ever so loudly proclaims that he was supposed to clean up his toys before dinner. There's no response. She says it again and finally goes to the living room to check. He's not there, but the Legos are strewn across the floor. She checks his room upstairs to chide him, and he claims he's been in his room for the past hour. That's when she stepped on a Lego. Horrifying the end. (laughs) It happens again. She wakes up at 3.30 a.m. with a TV blaring. This time, a girl with a twisted face is cursing at two priests. Ugh, Mm. why would anyone watch this on purpose? Why am I watching it? She wants to get the girl's face out of her head, so she turns on a Disney cartoon. When she sleeps, she has a nightmare about the possessed girl standing in her kitchen, but the face of the girl seems to be a mask, which is slipping off. Hmm. And her frame is gaunt and wiry. She's bent over as if trying to hide her larger stature. She wakes up as the thing says, I'm close now. Hmm. The next Friday, she tells her friend and coworker Brooke about the nightmares and strange noises in the house. Brooke tells her that since Ashley is kid-free this weekend, that they should have a girls' night and she should sleep over at Brooke's house. Ashley happily takes the offer, not wanting to stay alone in her place. She wakes up abruptly. She's cold. She's barefoot. She's wearing PJs. As she, and as she comes to, she realizes she's been sleepwalking. But she's halfway to her house and is walking alone in the dark. How did, did I? What even happened? She's still dazed and embarrassed and starts walking the 15 minutes back to Brooke's house. But as she does, she hears the bushes near her shake. She looks at their darkness and can't be sure, but she feels eyes looking back at her. She turns tail and starts walking quickly to her home. The bushes shake again and she can hear the sound of slow footsteps behind her. She runs and the sound follows. Once she gets home, she hurries to enter the combination to the garage door and closes it as soon as she can. 
She doesn't plan on sleeping that night, of course, though she lays down on the couch without turning it on. The audience, and this is us, the audience could see something of a shape standing in the reflection of one side of the TV. As Ashley drifts to sleep, the TV turns on. When she gets out of the shower the next morning, she comes downstairs to find the front and back doors wide open. Yeah. She quickly gets dressed and runs back to Brooke's house, not really knowing how she can explain leaving last night or how actually scared she is of something actually happening in her home. Ashley does everything to prevent this happening again. Even when she unplugs her TV, she wakes up to a horror movie the next morning in the middle of the night. She later confronts her son and he says, the grandma told me to plug it in for you. Yeah, no. The grandma? The grandma. Mm-hmm. Not grandma. Not, not grandma, the. Mm-hmm. With every night, the audience can see the figure in the reflection of the TV grow more visible and closer to where Ashley is laying. It gets to a point where Ashley gives her TV back to her ex, though he doesn't understand why. But the nightmares continue. Regardless of what slasher or monster is portrayed in her dreams, she sees the mask slipping more and more with each dream. At one point in her dream, she is attacked by the figure and she pulls its mask off. She wakes up to the sounds of glasses and plates breaking downstairs. The next night, she falls asleep on the couch and feels safe without the TV. But the audience can see the back of the figure sitting on the couch with her, just sitting at her feet. She falls ill and can't get out of bed for days without feeling nauseous. Her ex takes her son for a few days so she can get enough rest. But she's so out of it, she doesn't notice the note he left for her downstairs. And the note note says, Hey, I'm sorry things have been going so rough for you lately. I got things covered for you with the boy. But for now, just get better. P.S. I thought you'd get bored, so I put your TV back. So he doesn't know his son's name? He just said the boy. Yeah. That's what they call okay. him. Well, I didn't want to name him. The boy. <laughs> boy. Boy. Ashley is asleep, but we see her covers get lifted off of her, and she stands up and walks downstairs unnaturally, almost as if she's being guided. She ends up on her usual spot on the couch, but before it turns on, we see her head cradled in the lap of the figure, mm. an emaciated old woman that is smiling through paper-thin skin tissue. As you can see her teeth through her cheeks and staring down at Ashley playing with her hair. No. The TV turns on and Ashley wakes up but can't move her head. She is glued facing the TV. She wants to scream but can't. Wants to move. Can't. Her head is forced to look at the TV but this time it's not a Hollywood horror film. She watches what seems to be a movie shown through first person through a milky gray filter. The imagery is of her house but she's able to see herself, her ex, and her son. A sound comes from the perspective, but is disregarded. For example, uh, a cupboard moving. So something shaking in her house from the perspective, but it's ignored. Uh, the imagery continues as every time sounds are made throughout the house, they're ignored, even if the sounds become slightly more aggressive. So scene changes. We see Ashley get home from her date and double locks the door from this perspective and checks every room. We hear laughing from the perspective. So scene changes. We see Ashley wake, wake up from sleepwalking. And we see her yeah, looking through the bushes. You know, the viewer at this point looking through the TV, you can see Ashley being scared. We are the eyes through the bushes. Mm. And we see her quickly walk the other way. The, the milky pers- gray eyes. Yes. The perspective follows. We see her son sleeping and it approaches his ear and whispers in it. And this is where he was told to turn on the TV. Yes. Go plug in the, plug TV. In the TV. And finally, we see Ashley through the TV just as she is now, staring at the TV with tears in her unblinking eyes. She is able to slowly move her head and look up at the perspective that is staring at her now. She still can't scream, but her lips are quivering and tears keep rolling down her face. In her eyes, we can see the reflection of the emaciated woman grinning from ear to ear. Mm. The end. No. It's a little bit long. Are you guys okay? It's, I mean, it's not that scary. 
It's eerie. It's it uncomfortable. So okay, I, I am a little confused. Like the scene yep. jumps were were a little confused. Yeah, scene jumps. I didn't quite explain those. But so, we're, was the okay? Was was the scene we were seeing? Was that on the TV or is that us watching it? So what we are seeing is I almost wanted to make this Ashley's perspective of the whole movie like a first person movie, but I also want to show her fear throughout. But we do see a first person view from this creature so like, that's been following her. I guess, is the video cable in her eyes or is the video cable in the There's no cable eyes? or USB or HDMI. But what it's like, that's what I'm trying to, like, like no, where's the basically camera? Basically, at that time, oh, the camera at the end? Well, I'm trying to figure out, because she was looking, because the TV was on. Yes. And I thought she was looking at the TV and seeing all this. But you're saying it's the audience seeing all this. So she, what is she seeing? So she's seeing the same thing. Like, we probably see it from the back of her head. So it's like... Seeing that. She's watching the movie that we're watching. At the very end, yes. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Okay. And then she can see her head even turn up, and then it will probably the t- it will become the TV image to what we're actually seeing from the creature's image. So like one of those things where it like just keeps going on forever? Basically. And so the, the concept of this is, because I've run into this with dating so much, is because I'm Josh, is you don't like scary movies? Like, why not? So then you force them to, to watch them by holding their head on the couch and, and making them watch it? <laughs> no, I'm not the creature. You see your teeth but, through your cheeks. But, but as I say, hey, it's not so bad watching a scary movie. It's a roller coaster. It's fun. Yeah. They don't want to invite that evil in their home. And for someone like Ashley, that evil... That sound, the the thing in her house, has always kind of just been there. There's really no explanation. But she unlocked But when it. she allows that evil to come into her house, but Kit, it does <laughs> unveil itself more and more until it consumes her. You're not helping our case, though, Kent. Not at all. Because our case is horror movies are fun. Well, some may invite evil into your house, but most of them are just fine. No, I wanted to go the other way. Because you know what? It's, You're inviting some energy that pumpkin spice is bad. So, yes. you know. <laughs> pumpkin spice is evil. That's propaganda. Well, Ladies, pumpkin spice will invite evil into your home. <laughs> yeah. But I, I did, I did the, want to take the, the, the pers- grandma. I want to take the perspective of someone that actually really doesn't want to watch a scary movie and w- how it may affect their life in a really bad way. And then torture them. Yes. <laughs> and then they become haunted. And I just... I, you know how mine was like uh, armor for guys, or like, uh, uh, not armor, ammo for guys yeah. to be able to be like, you shouldn't drink pumpkin spice? No, this spice. is like... This will be the one that people will be like, see, I shouldn't watch horror movies because it will unlock the evil grandma. It's possible. It's possible. Yeah. And I want it to be random. I don't want this to be like a personal demon. It's just every house kind of has one of these. Maybe. You're going to have to get licensing if you're going to include all those horror movies. It, well, in fact, I'll make it just different enough so that... So uh, it's like it's like Freddy, but he's got like... Uh, I don't know. Butcher knives on his hands? Yeah. His name's yeah. Franklin. Scissor hands? Yes. <laughs> yeah. Franklin. Yeah. The and then Jace. So, yeah. You know Jace. You know, Jace is terrifying. Jace. Yeah. He wears, He's a pro. He wears a football helmet. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. And I call it Gateway because we talk about Gateway movies. Yes. And uh, this is the gateway to the, getting the one movie watching a gateway will destroy your life. I don't agree, I don't agree with this, but it's still a movie. But now you've just made the case and everyone who listens is going to be like, see, I shouldn't watch it. Yeah. And I'm like, I don't know why I I'm talk like, so hard. Babe, babe, come on. We'll cuddle. 72% less scary. Babe, babe. <laughs> Grandma Toothy won't get you. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully not. Uh, yeah. So there you go. That was actually the creepiest image of her was being able to see her teeth through the side of her cheek. Yeah. yeah. I don't know why, but that was like, that's yeah. what's going to haunt my nightmares tonight. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right, so there's mine. Yeah. Brian. Brian, you're up. Mine's going to be a lot shorter. That's, well, that's, <laughs> that's good. That's very welcome good. to Bacon Cell. <laughs> Kent does pitches and like that are like 40 pages long. You're welcome. So mine is based in 1944. We meet our cast as they're being taken prisoner by the Waffen-SS during the Battle of the Bulge. One of the soldiers notices a group of German sh- soldiers who are obviously in shock, telling the other soldiers about what they believe to be a new weapon that the Allies have developed. Hmm. Family friendly. Excuse me? Yeah, bless you. (laughs) Snowstalker. Ah. 
The other soldiers laugh at them, thinking them to be going mad from the cold and lack of food. We cut back to Sergeant Hall, who's Viggo Mortensen. Mm-hmm. Nice. Lord of the Rings, Hidalgo, The Road, Green Book. Yeah, you've said it's in Lord of the Rings. We, we right. know him. <laughs> <laughs> I wrote down a lot of movies for the actors. As he is taken to the front of the prisoners and has a gun put to the back of his head, Ooh. seeing this, the other prisoners become rowdy and begin to fight back against their captors. This distracts the executioner enough for Sergeant Hall to wrestle the gun out of his hands before the other Germans open fire on the prisoners. Sergeant Hall runs into the Ardennes, which is a forest, narrowly escaping with three other soldiers. Private Jackson, who is Reese Wakefield from The Purge, the blonde guy. Blonde guy from The Purge. He's creepy looking. Mm -hmm. Ethan Hawke, gotcha. Private Perez, who is Max Arseniega of Breaking Bad and Better Call Saul. He's Crazy 8. Oh, Oh, okay. Corporal Turner, who is John Bernthal of everything. Yeah, he's a bad guy. Five minutes in everything. Yeah. 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 Walking Dead. Walking Dead, Punisher, The Accountant, Fury, Baby Driver, Driver. Night at the Museum, Sicario, How I Met Your Mother. Oh, yeah. The Pacific. He's in... He's in a lot of stuff. Everything. As the men slowly make their way to U.S.-occupied territory, strange things start to happen. The men all feel an uneasiness and begin to get paranoid the longer they are together. After finding a small shack to hunker down in during a blizzard, after Private Perez leaves to use the restroom, but never returns. Once the blizzard clears, the remaining men go out to search for him, thinking that he must have fallen or gotten lost in the blizzard. After a while of searching, Perez can be heard screaming in the distance calling for help. Corporal Turner, John Bernthal, Mm. is kind of a jerk in everything he plays. Yeah. Takes off running in the direction of the screaming, angry that Perez made them lose so much time by going missing. But what if he screamed because she's going to the bathroom? What if it's a very unpleasant experience? That's Joel, family friendly. <laughs> just California burrito. He's he about to go to the bathroom, and then he's screaming, and then he runs yeah, to help yeah. him. Yeah. Right? You agree? Yeah. Carne asada fries burrito? Oh, yeah. Yeah. By the time the others arrive, all they find is the mutilated corpse of Turner with claw marks moving up the trees. Sergeant Hall and Private Jackson are now on their own as the paranoia only becomes worse as they go. After the time, after some time, the two hear Perez again, calling for help, but Perez was lost miles away at this point. The two choose to investigate carefully as they move towards the sound of Perez's screams. As they're getting closer, they come across a squad of massacred Germans, but all of their weapons are mangled to the point of being un- inoperable. As they inspect further, the bodies are mutilated to the same degree as Turner's. As they look closer into the bodies, Private Jackson goes missing without a sound. Now Sergeant Hall is left alone with his paranoia, weak from lack of food and sleep. He slowly continues moving on. As the sun begins to go down, he digs himself a hole in the snow under a large tree. He lays down and closes his eyes. Suddenly he is awoken by the sound of scratching on the trees above him. As he looks up, he sees a dark figure sitting on a tree limb above him. It's Grandma Toothy. (laughs) He thinks this is surely his paranoia until blood drips down onto his face. He runs, hearing the creature following closely in the trees. He stumbles and falls down, fumbling to grab the handgun he had taken off the executioner. He turns around and sees it standing above him. A tall but thin man? Not a man. It had human features, but was not. It was tall and pale, with large claws on its hands. Its eyes are sunk in pits, and it has large, bloody teeth. Hall raises his gun towards the creature. Click. No shot is heard. Hall removes the magazine from the gun and empty. Mm. He looks towards the creature panicked as he sees it with a large grin. The creature reaches out and opens his hand, revealing the ammunition from Hall's gun. Oh. Hall looks up oh. back towards the creature's face German engineering. End of film. For you. 
Oh, oh, that's it. It stole. It's a smart creature. I don't like that. I was hoping it was just this mindless killing machine, but it yeah. stole his ammo. He has no hope. Oh. How do you say no hope in German? No hope, yeah. <laughs> no, no hope, yeah. Yeah. Uh, kind of Hoffnug. So this seems like it could be a very gory movie, but it seems like you pulled no. back a little bit. I did. I kept it family friendly. Okay, because you could have gone a little bit deeper with right. that. No, I was we can say, assume that's thing is a lot of it. A lot. I think a lot of the horror. I think a lot of horror writers. Their issue is they get too far into it mm-hmm. because then when you describe exactly what's there, you don't let the reader kind of create stuff in their mind that scares them. You you give a generality, and the reader will automatically well, kind of input their own fears in there. So that's my question. Are we not showing this creature until the end? And how much mm-hmm. do we show of it? Because the description you gave was amazing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, I do have a question. Does he have hair? Does no. it have hair? Okay. Because no. I pictured, in my mind, tall, bald, white right. creature. Kind of like um, ah, those giants in that one anime. Attack on Titan. Attack on Titan. Yeah. Yep. Kind of mm-hmm. like that, but not as big. But that kind of tall. Or the pale man yeah. is kind of what I was thinking. Okay. Right. I kind of loosely From, based uh, it. Labyrinth. On a... Wendigo. Okay. Loosely. The claws for hands were effective mm-hmm. too. Cause and the, the per, Perez's screams is it mimicking speech. Oh, oh yeah. I didn't catch that. Didn't. Yeah. So it is, is it a Wendigo or a version of the Wendigo? A, a version of the Wendigo. A German Wendigo. version of the Wendigo. Mm-hmm. How do you say Wendigo in German? <laughs> Wendigo. Yeah. Ah. yeah. Das Wendigo. <laughs> with that accent yeah so this does feel like I, I mean obviously it feels like it's leading towards a, a bigger battle mm-hmm. or obviously a death is this like the first part of a story you would like to tell or is this just the story and a short story and leave it at that I just wrote it as a short story and okay. leave it at that yeah that, that could be a full movie like I could see these these soldiers uh, going through Nazi occupied it was Nazi, Nazi occupied yes. Germany right yes and uh, they were getting through this winter forest mm-hmm. and slowly getting picked off one by one. I can right. see that totally being a movie. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. There's that one zombie movie, Dead Snow, I think it is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I want to see it because it, it's, it's goofy. It's, it's intriguing to me. Yeah, it's, but it's it's parody, basically. Yeah, yeah I've, heard, I've heard it's kind of a goofy comedy, but I'm still just like, you know, anytime you take a zombie movie and try something new with it, I'm like, that could be fun. Yeah. I really wanted to go with as bad as it is, a feel like the road. That's why I chose Vio more. Oh, yeah. Something really so grim dark, the entire slow, time. but grim and dark, and they're paranoid. Are everything. we talking about da- dating life again for Kent? Or are we? <laughs> yes. Okay. <laughs> Desolate and gray. To that. So be, you Easy know, jokes on bacon sale. <laughs> Sorry, Kent. We love you. No, do you? Yes. Do you? Okay. Yeah. You yeah. want to watch a scary movie with me? Uh, we'll cuddle. Is, is Grandma Toothy going to be there? She will be eventually. <laughs> I invited cuddle. her for this Friday. I'll cuddle Toothy. with you. Yeah? Yeah. Sweet. But I like I like the vibe. I like that, you know, having explained even who the actors are, it seems like you put more thought into what their characters would be. Mm-hmm. And so you get to know them. And obviously, like a normal horror movie, picked off one by one, but with good characterization. Well, and I think that's what would be, uh, not to always compare everything at The Lost, but I think sure. it would be thinking like us where you, you get these flashbacks from their lives and learn more about them. And maybe they all have some sort of supernatural occurrence that happened in their history. Maybe nothing or major. Regrets or something like that. Yeah, or so, yeah, something like that. So you get kind of a rounded character and then, you know. They get mangled. Picked off. Right. And so at the end, the main character is just going to die. Yeah. Like There's everyone else. Yeah. No hope at the end, oh. basically. Well, and I like I liked the reveal. Like, I, if I were to do it, it would be a thing where it looks like a mindless killing machine the whole time and that, oh, we can outsmart it. But that part when it took his bullets out of the, out of the gun, I'm like, ah, oh, dang it, it can think. Mm-hmm. We're doomed. Yeah. That's a horrifying uh, image. So good job on that. Would need to... If any producers are listening to this, uh, they they're do. going to. The clock do. is ticking on Vigo Mortensen. He's 62 now. So, yeah. Whoa. He, he is timeless. Okay. <laughs> yeah. That's, I almost couldn't use it. I'm like, can I? 
can I make a Always. 62 yeah. year old sergeant? <laughs> but uh, yeah. greenlit. Yeah, I'll greenlit yeah, that one. Okay, now we're going to get into, uh, last but not least, our combined pitch, where we got a prompt, we all wrote it together, and we came up with something. Without pre-planning. No pre no. Yeah. The only planning we have, here was the prompt we were given. You are inhabited by a ghost that controls you and makes you do crazy things. That's it. So we got this off a website. We found a bunch of prompts. Brian picked this one. And then we're each going to read our own section so you can tell who wrote what and where the blame belongs. <laughs> uh, so let's do this. So and then, then we can name it and maybe, oh, you already cast it, but we can name it and maybe pick a director after. So yeah. it's going to go Brian, Joel, Kent, myself, and Zach. Alphabetical order. Yes. yes. The way things should be. <laughs> Always? Or reverse alphabetical order. I'm confused. All right. So Brian, whenever you're ready. James, who's played by Matthew Lillard, was a relatively normal guy. He worked as a 9-to-5 accountant at a rather large accounting firm, but was a loner. He didn't have any family and mostly kept to himself outside of work. There was also this thing that would su he would suffer with, sleep paralysis. It wasn't a big deal most of the time. That was until it started showing up, mm. a figure that would lurk around the room during the paralysis, each time getting closer. You sure Kent didn't write this? Mm -hmm. This is Kent's MO right here. <laughs> Love it. Until he got close enough to touch James. His hands were cold to the touch. And ever since that day, James changed. He started to hear voices in his head telling him to do things. Sometimes his body would move or react without him wanting to. As time went on, this started happening more often. James sat in the middle of a meeting at work. He was trying to focus on what the presenter was saying, but all he could hear was the ticking of the clock. No, that wasn't ticking. It was someone-ing inside his head. As he realized what the noise was, the presence seemed to notice that his focus had shifted. It felt like someone was staring right at him, and a voice spoke. James, James, James. Are you ready for some fun? I usually try to cut that out of the recording. Yeah, you can leave it in that one. It's, yeah, it's, oh, it's but I'll keep those well, I didn't know how to say story. tisking. Tisk, tisking. Tisk, tisking. Tisk, tisk, tisk. Teaspoon? Tisp. Tisp. So once again, he said, James, are you ready, are you ready for, for some, some fun? fun? No, James replied loudly. His boss turns toward him and asks, James, do you have something to add? The presence mocks James and fills his head by whispering, no, what, James? James speaks aloud again. No, I am not ready for fun. The meeting group all stare at him and watches as he climbs on top of his chair, then the conference table, all while the voice says, It's a shame you don't have a choice. James looks down at the presenter's laptop, and without having control of his leg, he kicks it to the wall to everyone's horror and shock. Yeah, some probably were fine with it. Yeah, I mean, yeah. the meeting's over, yeah. so. He then reaches down and grabs his coworker's laptop and shows everyone his coworker's screen. Scott hasn't been taking notes. He's been on Twitter this whole time. James bends the computer back and snaps the spine. Oh, it's it's not one of those two and like no, it's not a Surface. Yeah, yeah it's yeah. it's an old. It'd be kind it's of a, if it was a Surface, he'd be like, it's a it's, oh. it's a MacBook Air. Oh, so it's an investment. Oh, yeah, horrifying. James so badly wants to apologize for what he can't control. He wants to explain, but literally cannot speak the words. His body takes the two halves of the computer and hurls them in each direction. One narrowly missed his boss's boss. Bosses, 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 boss. boss boss. It's at this point he gets control and he falls to his knees on the table and is quickly shuffled out of the room. His boss chides him by telling him to go home and that they'll have a serious talk. 
tomorrow morning. That, that seemed very nice of the boss. I'm pretty sure that would be like immediate firing. Yeah, immediate firing. Yeah. But, you know, it's, he's had a hard time lately. Yeah. Sure. How does he tell? Sure. He's a compassionate boss. Okay. James was feeling a bit of control return, but he knew he needed to get home. He approached his car anxiously, considering what driving would be like. He was completely unsure of what his body was capable of. After a cautious drive, he stumbled into his home. With each step, he seemed more confident. His body felt like his own again. His thoughts turned to what had happened in the meeting. Was the sleep paralysis figure taking over? When would it return? Could it be stopped? Has Scott ever actually taken notes? No. <sighs> With a familiar creak in the floorboard, James found himself standing back in his house. He walked over to the bathroom to splash a bit of water on his face, still shaken from the day. He grabbed a towel to wipe off what was surely a ghostly, white, and concerned face, but was shocked to find the face in the mirror had the biggest grin he'd ever seen. I'm looking at the man <coughs> in the mirror. Big grin. <laughs> James tried to physically wipe the smile off his own face, but no matter how hard he wiped, it never went away. Frustrated, he began hitting the mirror repeatedly until it eventually broke. He looked down at his hands, now cut and bloodied, and then looked up at the mirror. Through the shattered and blood-covered mirror, the smile persisted. And though he hated it, he had never felt more powerful. He ran into his bedroom and sat in the middle of the floor, his head tucked into his chest and his hands behind his head. He began to sob, but was doing so through laughter, his smile never leaving. Smiling while sobbing. I know there. there. I know there, James. (laughs) I know that feel. Suddenly, his body jerked straight up and started walking towards the door. What is going on? Where are you taking me? Why won't you leave me alone? James cried. Let's go for a ride. The voice chuckled inside his head. Don't forget your coat. James tried to resist, but his body forced him to the car and he drove off into the hills. The area didn't look familiar to James, even though it wasn't far from where he lived. It was actually a gray stone building surrounded by blood. Oh, trees. Oh, oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, no. Don't drink pumpkin spices. <laughs> yep. Nice. Whatever. Life. Life. Yeah, that's right. it's, it's not just nice. nice. It's life. Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay. The area didn't look familiar to James, even though it wasn't far from where he lived. Suddenly, the vehicle rolled to a stop in front of an old abandoned hospital in the forest. The building had been partially devoured by fire and was covered in graffiti. I'd like to introduce you to some of my friends, the voice sneered. James reluctantly got out of the car and walked into the black, gaping doorway. James had seen enough scary movies to know that this was a bad idea, but again, he had no choice but to walk into the hospital. The halls were cold and desolate, but he could hear something in the distance. It's just a cat or a homeless guy, he told himself. Also, both scary. Jellicle cat or homeless guy? <laughs> Who'd win in a fight? I, he's scared I of being bit like, by him. I'm not as scared of a cat, but yeah. Jellicle cat? Jellicle cats, yes. <laughs> yeah. They're just so jellicle. <laughs> the presence stayed quiet. James spoke aloud with scattered questions. Why did you bring me here? Did you die here? Are you trying to scare me? The presence once again kept silent. It had an intention and was rushing there. As they passed dark rooms, James could hear sobbing in one, laughing in another. The voices got louder as he heard humming, yelling, and whispers that sounded like threats. Pumpkin spices life. James thought he saw hands reach out from one of the rooms. He closed his eyes, and his legs kept on moving. You are no fun, James. The presence finally spoke. We're almost there. James slowly opened his eyes as he walked into a room that felt warm, like there was a buzz in the air. He saw tables and chairs with restraints rusted surgical tools, a large metal box with the words deprivation chamber barely legible on the side. What is that, by the way? It's like a little box where you Isolation like, f- like float in it. and it. Oh, like a sensory deprivation. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. The presence set him down on a chair. He tried to get up and run out of the room, but couldn't budge. That's when he saw 
it. Dun dun dun. So could, this could be so many things. Well, that's the thing. You, you headed that off to Zach. Uh -huh. I was like, oh great. Here's here's this yeah. is like a defining Zach. moment. Build up. Yeah, this is it. <laughs> Seated at a table across the room was a dark figure. James could hardly make anything out. He, much like Kent on some nights. Okay. Oh, all right. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> poor Kent. Yeah, poor oh. Kent. <laughs> he noticed the pull chain of a lamp just above him. With a strange stretch of his arm, he switched on a single light bulb, causing it to swing back and forth. The figure became clearer. James saw what looked to be a dusty black suit draped on a frail frame sitting upright, but it wasn't being worn by a person, at least not a person anymore. It was worn by what looked to be the remains of a man whose decomposition was being delayed by something unnatural. Starvation. Mm. This near mummy wore the same sickening grin that James found in the broken shards of the mirror. James' heart sank. This couldn't be. The voice returned. Why did you take so long, James? The voice still rang in his head, but nothing moved in the room. Is that you? James shakily replied. Well, it was. That's where you come in. What do you mean? James asked, struggling to speak. I want you, the figure replied. Well, not you per se, but that meat suit you inhabit. That's what I want. Meat suit. He's, he has been watching Supernatural. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> Let me go, James shouted, strained. Why can't you just leave me alone? You're the prime candidate. Your body is strong, but your mind is strained. Mm. You're so easy to influence. And now that you're here, the figure chuckled. You're mine for the taking. Angrily, James was able to muster enough strength to get himself out of the chair and bolt for the doorway. The heavy metal door slammed shut as James ran full speed into it. He fell to the ground and lost consciousness. James awoke to a living nightmare. A horde of translucent spirits swirled around the room, screeching and howling in delight. He looked down and in horror realized that he was wearing the dusty black suit that used to be on the mummified corpse, which was now a crumpled pile of bones on the floor. He closed his eyes and tried to wake himself up, but this wasn't a dream. Then, against his will, he started to walk toward a, a dirty, cracked mirror in the room. As he did, spirits rushed through his body, sending cold shivers down his spine each time. Then James saw his reflection. He was terrified, but his face had that same dark smile that had haunted him before. I could get used to this, the presence voice echoed in his ears above the increasingly loud chorus of wailing. Ready or not, James, it's time. James doesn't remember driving home last night, but he remembers the feeling of driving over several bumps in the road. His body turns on the morning news and footage describes the horrible accident involving a hit and run and pedestrians. His body looks in the mirror and smiles at itself and James within. His mouth then says, I wonder who we can hurt next. Bumps in the road, Kent. Bumps in the road. <laughs> Bumps in the road. I kept it Manson family friendly. <laughs> it pauses for a few seconds and the grin opens wider. James is praying his instinctual thoughts couldn't be read. Really, James? Your annoying neighbor that steals your Amazon packages? Or your boss? Or the one that got away? Oh, no. oh, James, you make this too easy. James yells from within his own body. Don't you dare hurt anyone or else. Or else what, James? His own mouth responds. As his body stands up to leave the house, James sinks further into himself, wondering how he can possibly reclaim full use of his body so no one else will be hurt. We've got your serious talk with your boss, Jimmy. I don't think I'll like what he has to say. 
They head toward the accounting firm. With all his mental power, James fights for full control, but can only muster a half-decent driving performance to his accounting firm. James, where's your boss? I think he needs to join in on our fun, too. For the first time in his career, James did not want his sniveling manager to be harmed, but he still said he's on the 10th floor, corner office. Wait, he said that? Hmm. James did? Mm-hmm. Or the presence did? Jeez, James. Because he's just James. like, oh, I don't want to be hurt. Anyway, <laughs> sold him out. He's up on the 10th floor. Sold him out. Teamwork. Here's a hand work. Gun. Doesn't seem work. Let's go pay him a visit. Catching alarmed looks from all the passersby in the building, they worked their way to the elevator. Floor two, floor three, four. They swiftly moved closer and closer. How could this end? What was left of James' own heart sank when the idea popped in his head. Those huge windows behind his boss's desk. What what if he jumped? Now, Brian, we've all done three parts to this story. Yes. And we're asking you to bring us home. We gave you the ending. Let's do this. Ding. The elevator doors. That's (laughs) it. It's done. That's it. Yep. (laughs) The elevator door slides open. James reluctantly walked down the hallway to the corner office. What are you wearing? His boss asks. James looks down and sees that he is still wearing the tattered, dusty black suit from the hospital. It's been a long night, James says, as he tries to keep himself from walking towards his boss. He approaches the desk and puts his hand on the heavy college intramural soccer trophy that he always thought was so pretentious. Duck, he manages to say as he hurls the trophy towards his boss's head, narrowly missing. The trophy smashes into the window and bounces off. Wow, these things are harder to break than in the movies, he thinks to himself. What are you doing? The voice screams in his head. Stopping you, he whispers as he picks up the trophy and runs toward the window. What are you doing? His boss screams as he repeatedly smashes the trophy into the window, cracking it more with every hit. The window shatters as James walks up to the edge. Just as he is about to jump, he feels himself be pulled back. His boss pulls him away from the shattered window. Now his other co-workers are watching from outside. Come help me, his boss yells as James struggles to get back to the window. His co-workers come in and hold him down until paramedics arrive. They strap James to a gurney and wheel him toward the elevator. As he is wheeled down the hallway, he looks to the side, seeing Scott in his office, still more focused on Twitter than what, is it, what had just happened down the Scott, hall. man. Then his focus shifts, and he sees his reflection on the glass, on his face, a big, wide smile. Bum, bum, bum. So he tried to take himself out to and protect his others. Stopped him. Tried to. He was so close. Yeah. And the presence still has control. Yes. Now, as this was a writing exercise, I just want to get real quickly. Did this story go where you guys thought it was going to? No. no. I thought he would try to find a way to prevent it more. I think he, he would try to find a way to burn it out somehow. Yeah. But I did not think he would try to like jump out a window and he's going to hurt his boss. Yeah. Was that that was Jack, was Zach that, yeah. that planted that idea? Yeah, yeah. It's a possibility. Yeah, I didn't know if we'd take it. That's the thing. You want to present the options, right? Exactly. Yeah. So, and uh, Brian, what about you? I mean, this was the prompt you picked. Is this kind of where you saw the story, or do you have a different idea? Not at all. I really? did not see it going this way at all. Where I, were you? Where would you have taken it? I would have taken it down a serial killer route, where James becomes a serial killer, and then you find out at the end that the presence only was there at the start and had backed off and that James just enjoyed it 
after there. The oh. presence oh, just geez. pushed him to that point. On brand for bacon cell. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, that's, that's actually really that's good, true, though. That I'm telling you, kids, don't start murdering someone as a gateway to becoming a serial killer. <laughs> don't do it. It is. Don't do it. Yeah, actually, that would have gone really well. But Yeah. And Zach, I was going to say same with you. Not necessarily. No, I. It, I mean, I really was open to wherever it went. But uh, I had this idea uh, when in the hospital that, and actually, I think this was mostly in the abandoned by, hospital. Yeah, um, uh, Honey had this idea. Uh, she, you might go in and have these like almost like back to tanks full of these bodies, oh. and again, they're just they're just being preserved. And then waiting for souls to, to reanimate them. Oh, mm. that'd be cool too. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. And for me, I was just trying not to make a joke out of every time I got the every yeah. time I got the the type every time I got my turn. I kept on wanting to turn it into like jokey thing. Right. Like yeah. I, I did have to resist their turn it to venom and have them be like, Eddie, I want to eat something. Thank you. Yeah. Venom. Thank you for fighting. So sure. I, I tried to keep the mood. Yeah. You yeah. fought your inner voice. Yeah. I tried I to appreciate keep, it, including Instagram and this. You know, I just <laughs> fought against it. So. And fun fact, we uh, said the word James fifty nine times. James. We did? Yeah. James. James. <laughs> wow. James. James. Jason. <laughs> anyway, those are our pitches. So let us know what you thought of them and which ones you greenlight, which ones you enjoyed, which ones terrified you. We like to hear about that on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter because that's where we read your comments. So make sure to, to hit us up there. Brian, thank you so much for allowing us to do this. Thank you for Super letting fun. me <laughs> indulge in stories and listen to scary music at the gym as I'm trying to brainstorm what I'm going to do. Uh, this has been an amazing exercise. I love this stuff. Yeah. And is there anyone you'd like to give a, pl- uh, a shout out to or anything you'd like to plug here at the end of the show? You can find me on Instagram at Madsen Bricks. I do Lego Instagram page. Yeah, you um, have a, Le- a Lego Instagram page. Mm-hmm. A, lot of fe- a lot of people will like. Also, you can find me in the bacon cell comments, spoiling Endgame every week. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Still, uh, interesting choice. Yeah. That's it. Perfect. But before we go, I'd like to give some love to our patrons, including the I Am The Listener tier, which includes Shannon West, Sean Sanquist, Scott Sprague, which by Scott, go listen to the latest Pagan bit if you haven't yet, Rocky and Steph, Plot Twist Media, Lady Terry Finley, Jennifer Kukowski, Glow Clint Daniel, Chris Drought, Brayden Winterton, Bacon Council member Wannabe Kyler, Babs, Allison Gall, Alicia Bass, and Adam and Rachel Crump. We also have our Bacon Council, which includes Stephen Ross, Ryan and Marley Farron, our favorite couple, the Madsons. Hey, Our literal favorite hey. couple. <laughs> Thank Nick, you, guys. Knickknack 40 Wax, Mats, Chris Anderson, Her Royal Highness Jessica Terry, Beaker, who's no longer the shadow. I know. Crazy. Revealed. Yeah, he's revealed. And Reverse Listener. Thank you so much, patrons. We really do appreciate your support. And thank you, listener, for listening to Bacon Cell and continuing to spread the good word of Bacon Cell. I think you're all spoopy. <laughs> you're all spoopy. And congratulations again to Spencer Acuna. Get in hold. Get in touch with us. We'll get you your, uh, your passes to the Great Room Escape. Yeah. But if you want to find me, you can find me at 76Joel on Twitter. You can find me performing with Quick Quits. They perform Saturday nights at the Midville Performing Arts Center. For more details, go to qwcomedy.com or go to the Quick Quits Facebook page. If you want to find me on Twitter or Instagram, it's at Kenny3DD. If you want to read my movie reviews, it's ShowtimeShowdown.com. If you'd like to connect with me, you can do so on Twitter and Instagram at TumblingMustard. But more importantly, make sure you're following Bacon Sale on social media. Stop by Facebook and like that page. And then go to Twitter and Instagram at Bacon Sale. And uh, give us some love over there. Mm-hmm. We have fun contests and, and, and just generally... Have fun every week. Good time. Yeah, do that. While you're doing that, stop by tpublic.com slash bacon sale where you can get yourself some merch. I mean, there's some fun stuff on there Mm -hmm. and we keep promising it, but I guess we're never going to add new stuff. Sorry about that. (laughs) (laughs) tpublic.com slash bacon sale. And then if you like the show, like what's going on and want to support us further, you can go to patreon.com slash bacon sale where support starts at just $3 a month. You can get access to bacon bits that happen 
as often as we record most of the time and uh, a bunch of other benefits where I'm sure we'll have written versions of our pitches up there at some point. So all typos and all. Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Patreon.com slash bacon sale. So until next time, grandma toothy is so basic. Why are there guns? Uh, that's thunder. thunder. <laughs> that's like guns. You did gun hands. <laughs> that was actually spoopy. Like a dog in a ghost costume is oh, spoopy. He's spoopy. So none of these locations were spoopy. Look, look at him. He's a spoopy boy. Look at this. this <laughs> yeah. The spoopy green lady with the no eyes. How can I get on this? I do mediocre things and get rewards. Mediocre. For it. Those are tough. The it's, rocket's scary. Zach, do you need no. preacher tinkle? I'm good. How's that? Preacher tinkle. That's what we call him. We call, so we, <laughs> I guess not what we call him. We don't call him pre-show tinkle. Intermittent fasting is what I call it when I skip breakfast. I just call it being forgetful. <laughs> no, give it a name. It I has more it, purpose. I call it a bad day when I miss breakfast. Oh. What kind of houses? Sleepovers have you been on? Ooh, creative workshops. Do you know that the glade that just goes... There are many families out there, Joel. Not Manson family friendly. Uh, this is Madsen family friendly. Oh, oh nice. Cats. An yeah. eerie yeah. cat yeah. smell. Yeah. Oh, the worst. Oh, eerie cats. Mm. Cats. It was cats. But like the, the Jellico cats. If you you know starved yourself for a week and you still haven't met this prophet you're supposed to marry, yeah, maybe it's time to move happen. on. Maybe right. join Tinder. I think the further you get away from this truth, the better you feel. Because. <laughs> Are you talking about dating or are you talking about movies? Anything I say beforehand may tip my hand. Okay. All right. Did you just tip your hand with that? Is it about hands? It's about tipping. My mouth is dry. My lips are dry. How did I not know you were so basic? Not the bees. Not the bees. Basic witches. So everything at Trader Joe's is demonic. Pumpkin spice is demonic. <laughs> because I Krispy hate it Kreme so much. is like, yeah, we're going to bring a little bit of Satanism over here. I want one ending, Shyamalan. There's no apple cinnamon season. Like, there is for me. I would join the coven for vanilla bean. No, babe. No yeah. pumpkin spice no for pumpkin you. Spice. I know what you're going to do. Are you going to start chanting? No. Okay. Pumpkin spice is life. <laughs> Ladies, pumpkin spice will invite evil into your home. <laughs> boy. 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 Because you know what? You're inviting some energy that pumpkin spice is bad. See, I shouldn't watch horror movies because it will unlock the evil grandma. Babe, babe, come on, we'll cuddle. 72% less scary. Babe, babe. <laughs> Grandma Toothy won't get you. <laughs> German is hard, it's okay. Especially at the beginning, it's okay to make fun of yourself. Vendigo. Yeah. yeah. Das Vendigo. Has Scott ever actually taken notes? No. Smiling while sobbing. I know there. Been there. I know there, James. Yeah. I know that feel. Yeah. And you, guys... you, need to, you need to read it just as you wrote it, yeah. Zach. <laughs> Come on! <laughs> poor Kent! Yeah, poor Kent! <laughs> Autocorrect editing. Yeah. Spooky All editing on Comma splice. <laughs> Joel's fixing the I fixed it. <laughs> document. I fixed it as a ghost word. I kept it fancy and family friendly. I'm telling you, kids, don't start murdering someone as a gateway to becoming a serial killer. <laughs> don't do it. It is. Don't do it. Pumpkin spices life. Another sacrifice we give so this season may be long and fruitful. 
Pumpkin spice is life, another sacrifice we give, so the season may be long and fruitful. Pumpkin spice is life, another sacrifice we give, so the season may be long and fruitful. But more important, 